Our scripture reading today will be taken from Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1, if you'd open your Bibles there, we'll be looking at verses 21 to 23. The Apostle Paul is developing the fact that all men and all women are guilty before God, sinners before God. We're in that section that deals with that till about the end of chapter 3, actually. But we come today to verses 21 to 23, which says this, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. How pathetic is that? Well, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and to the exposition of it later. Will you join with me, please, in prayer? Our Father, we bow before thee today on September 11 to say thank you that you've given us the privilege of living here in the United States. We thank you for the freedoms that we have enjoyed. We thank you for the freedoms that we do enjoy. And on this 9-11 anniversary, we turn to thee for help and hope. In and of ourselves, Lord, we're fragile people, we're finite people, we're quite honestly fickle people. And we need you to help us, dear Lord. We need your wisdom, we need your strength. And Lord, as you analyze your people today, you can see that many are hurting and they need your intervention. So we would ask that you would use your sovereign power to intervene in each and every life of each and every one of your people and do a powerful, profound work of grace. We ask that you would use your power to turn minds of leaders to help your people, not hurt your people. You've given us wonderful resources in this land of ours, the land of the free, oil and coal and nuclear power, and there are those who quite honestly are trying to prevent what you've given from being used. And those things do help your people. So we would ask you, Lord, to intervene and turn this all around. Lord, on that September 11, 2001, our fears were due to the attack that came from without. But on this September 11th in 2022, our fears are upon tax that can come from within. We have people in power, Lord, who don't seem to care if your people are hurting or struggling. It almost seems to us that there are those who are not trying to repair our country, but ruin it. So we would ask that you would just use your sovereign power, your greatness, Lord, to turn this thing around, deliver us and help us. You gave a great illustration in the Gospel of Luke of a widow who went to a judge and asked for legal protection, and you said, will not God bring about justice for his elect to those who cry to him day and night? So we cry to you, Lord, day and night. Please bring justice and righteousness and truth to this nation. Please protect us and bless us, and come get us soon. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the arguments that you will often hear to attack the character of God and the righteousness of God and even the existence of God is an argument that goes something like this. How could God be just and pour out his wrath on those poor natives who live in jungles who've never heard the gospel? How could God send those poor people who've never heard the gospel to hell? People say, isn't it so sad that natives take off their clothes and run around a big bonfire and chant things in their worship of whatever they're worshiping. 
those people just don't know any better. But I tell you this, every crazy notion of every crazy religion exists because every human knows something about God. Did you ever stop to ask yourself this question? Where did those natives who live back in those jungles ever get the idea they need to worship something? Where did those people get their religious superstitions? Did they ever know any better? John Calvin said God has placed within the minds of every human the means to know him. The problem is most don't want to know him. Now we're in a section of the book of Romans in which the Apostle Paul is establishing the sin and guilt of every human. He's establishing this because he wants every sinner to realize you need the righteousness of God. You need the righteousness of God if you're going to have everlasting life. And you are all guilty before God. The only way you can get that righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ. And what he's establishing here is God has every right to pour out his wrath on a God-mocking, Christ-rejecting, Bible-hating humanity. These verses are very important because they answer one of the great questions of theology. God is perfectly just and righteous in pouring out his wrath on people because he's given them enough intuitive knowledge and information to make them guilty, deserving of his wrath. Every human, every human knows there's an existing God that's different from them. Every human knows it. Whether they admit it or not, that's another issue. But they know it. God's programmed that within them. The problem is not knowing, it's not wanting truth. As H.A. Ironside said, the heathen are without excuse. Behind all the idolatry of the pagans is a rejection of the true God and a desire to worship something other than the true God. These people aren't just confused. These people are purposely worshiping something other than God, and they do that because they've rejected the truth that God's put within them. Now, Paul is building a case for the guilt of every human, Every human being, no matter who they are or where they live, is guilty and deserves the wrath of God. And so far, he's built a real strong case, but he's far from over. He's built a case that people by their own works prove they don't have the righteousness of God. People by what they do at times proves the fact that they're not perfect. He establishes that all people are guilty because they do ungodly, unrighteous things. All people are guilty because they suppress the truth that God has given to them. All people are guilty because they reject clear evidence of knowledge that God has put within them. And all people are guilty because they reject his power and deity in creation. Back when I was fooling around in college, KVCC and Western a little bit, the big psychologist department of Western Michigan University was B.F. Skinner back then. We're talking 70s, late 70s. Uh, no, we're going back to late 60s. I'm even older than that, so we're going back to the late 60s. B.F. Skinner drew a lot of his concepts from Pavlov and his training of dogs and animals, but Skinner was a behaviorist psychologist who basically took the position that if you can change the environment, you can change the behavior. And if you can create positive environment, you can generate positive responses. Well, he was a known atheist. He was pretty volatile about his atheism, 
And B.F. Skinner basically turned to becoming an atheist because one reason he stated was his grandmother told him about hell. He didn't like it. So he had knowledge, you see. He had knowledge. Toward the end of his life, he wrote something that I found fascinating. I'll read it to you, what he wrote. Like many people, I wonder about things. I wonder how did the world begin? Unfortunately, we're not in a very good position to say. We live on one of the smaller planets of a small sun and one of the smaller of millions of galaxies, and it is remarkable that we have made as much sense of the available facts as we have. We have yet to find many answers. What is man? I believe the human species is distinguished by one thing, Through an extraordinary step in evolution, the vocal musculature came under operant control. How that led to language, self-observation, and self-management is too long a story to be told here. And it is certainly not fully a satisfying answer, but I think it's better than saying that man was created in the image of God. Do you see what Skinner's doing here toward the end of his life? He's battling that thing about God. This guy is a known atheist. He knew about God. He's struggling with it. I mean, toward the end of his life, he's looking at the creation. And he's saying, you know, there's something in the creation that we can't figure out. And where did it come from? And there's something in man that he's seeing that also is connected to God. And he didn't like it, but he knew it. And now, since he's dead, he knows it well. What we see when we come to this text of Scripture is that God's righteousness is perfectly just in pouring out his wrath on people because they've rejected him, they've demeaned him, they've brought him down to detestable levels. It isn't that people have just rejected God, they've demeaned God. They've invented their own concepts of God that they want to worship. I mean, can you think of anything more foolish than Buddha? Worship Buddha. Make something out of wood, make a Buddha doll out of wood, or make it out of ceramic or concrete. I mean, you make a Buddha and you paint it, you invent it with your own hands, then you sit down and you do that ummana padme hum that they do. That's what it's actually called, ummana padme hum, which means hail to the jewel of lotus. And you're thinking, are you nuts? You're sitting down worshiping that? Dr. S. Lewis Johnson really summed it up well years ago when he said concerning the development of man and his concepts of God that it's one of retrogression, not progression. It's one of devolution, not evolution. It's downward, not upward. And just recently I heard a sportscaster say the best thing that somebody could do on Sunday would be go with dad to a baseball game, not go to church, not go to hear the word of God, go to a baseball game. You know, really, we're no better than heathens living in jungles. Now, verse 21 begins with a conjunction for, deote in Greek. It's a subordinate causal conjunction. These verses develop a series of reasons or causes that teach why God is perfectly just and perfectly legitimate in pouring out his wrath on godless heathen people. They establish why people are without excuse before God. These are important reasons. There are seven of them that God gives here in this text. The first one is, ungodly, unrighteous people deserve God's wrath because they do have knowledge of the truth of God. Verse 21, for even though they knew God... 
I want to bring that verb out, gnosko. It's an interesting one in Greek. It's a particular verb that would indicate these people actually know and have seen by their own personal experience and observation the existence of God. That's the statement. Every human being has experienced something recognizable in their life that would point them to God. That's what Paul's saying here. Each person has had some type of experience in his existence that would bring them to the understanding there is God. And in this text, Paul makes it clear that these people knew the God, and he uses an article before the noun God, so he's talking about the God of the Bible here, not just any God people invent in their own brains. He says these people have an understanding and knowledge that each person has personally experienced of the existence of God. And it's interesting that the tense of this participle, which is used with the aorist verb did not honor, means that the knowledge of God preceded their refusing to honor God. So when people knew things about God or thought things about God or saw things about God, they did not honor him as God. They just basically walked away from the knowledge he gave them. Where did the Zulus of South Africa come up with the idea that they need to worship a swamp reed, a sky god, or a river god. Where did they ever get that idea? Where did the Islamists come up with the idea they need to sacrifice the blood of an animal once a year? Got to sacrifice a goat, a sheep, a cow, or a camel. Where did they get that? Where did those Buddhists get the idea they need to burn incense and offer sacrifices? Where do people get this idea? We have to worship something. The answer is, they have knowledge of God that he's programmed within them. And no matter who the person is, no matter where the person lives, when they get before the Lord, he will have a perfect, just right to pour out his wrath because deep down inside, that person worships something other than him. When you read the 104th Psalm... The psalmist makes it clear all people are able to see the greatness and glory of God when they look in the sky, when they look to the earth, when they look at the water, the vegetation, the mountains, the trees, the animals, and even the insects, they all display the glory of God. I don't know if you were up early this morning, but man, that moon was there and it was just glorious, glorious to see. In Psalm 139, all people can see the greatness and glory of God in the creation of humans who've been fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, David said, my soul knows that very well. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You'll go home today and eat something and your system automatically will flush through what you eat and drink and determine what's good for you and what isn't good for you. And the stuff that's good for you, it will retain the stuff that isn't good. It's going to flush out of your system. Now, who designed that? That didn't just happen. That's the glorious God. Don't be fooled by the rhetoric of imbeciles. All people have knowledge of the true God of the Bible. They're without excuse. So there's your first reason. They had knowledge. Personal, experiential knowledge of God. Secondly, ungodly, unrighteous people deserve God's wrath because they do have knowledge of God, but they don't honor God. That's what he says in verse 21. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. People deserve God's wrath because no matter how much God reveals to them, they will not, they will not honor him. 
we communicate to people, look, get serious about the word of God. This is the word of God. So get serious about understanding these books of the Bible. Do you think the vast majority of people in this country, in this world, are concerned about that? They don't want that. They're not interested in that. They don't want to honor God as God who has a word and you should carefully study it so you can get to know this God. They just don't want to do that. And that word honor is an important word. It's a word that means to think about God and worship God in an exalted way. Hold him high and holy. Give God the weight that he deserves in your thinking, in your life. God has put within every human and intuitive knowledge of his power and glory and every human has the realization there's a God out there and that God should be worshipped. This knowledge he's programmed within every human so that they're without excuse. As J. Vernon McGee said, the problem is man has certainly not moved upward in his opinion about God. The truth is man does not like to elevate or honor God. He likes to elevate himself. Man hates God's sovereignty. Man hates God's greatness. Man does not want to honor God or depend on God for anything. He wants to be his own God. But the very breath that every human being has, every heartbeat that we have, is a grant from this God. You know, there are people in this world, they'll honor a baseball, a football, a basketball, a hockey game more than God. There are people who will honor money more than God. People who will honor their job more than God. People who will honor a piece of wood more than God. And when anybody gets before the Lord, they'll be without excuse. Because God says, I've given them enough knowledge to know they should be honoring me. And then Jesus would say in John, if you don't honor the Son at the same level you honor the Father, you can't honor the Father. So if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's no way you honor Jesus Christ. A third reason why God is perfectly just in pouring out his wrath is because people are not thankful to God. Verse 21, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Now, Haddon Robinson told this story. I don't know if it was something he heard or something he saw. I don't know, but he told the story. He said that someone was in a place one time where they were sitting down for a meal, and there was a TV screen that was on. And on the TV screen, just as they're setting down to eat this meal, I don't know if it was in a public restaurant or home or what, But just as they're sitting down to eat this meal, there flashes on that TV screen pictures of starving children and starving people. He said you would have thought that the people about to partake of the meal would have bowed their head and say, thank you, God, we have food. But he said they didn't. He said, here's a screen showing people starving, and they're sitting down at a plush meal, and not one person bowed their head to even thank God. Ingratitude toward God is one of the great sins of our day. Most people today are not thankful for all God has done for them, and most people aren't thankful for all God has given to them. They're unthankful, they're ungrateful. In Paul's day, they offered all kinds of thanks to all kinds of deities that they invented. But very few people were 
thankful when it came to the true God of the Bible. And things haven't changed. We are living in a thankless culture. We're living in a culture where people don't hardly even say thank you anymore. I mean, they get raises and promotions and achieve successes. And rarely do they say thank you to the people, let alone God. A couple of months ago, on a Saturday night, our fan went out. So we decided to go get a new fan. And when we got the fan home and put it together and started working it, Mary's going over the, the sales slip, and they go, they didn't charge us for the fan. So I said, well, tomorrow's a full day Sunday, so Monday we'll go back to the store and pay for it. So we went back to the store, and she went in there, and she gave them the receipt, and we paid for the fan. On our way home, she had to stop and get something. We pull into this place, and there in the parking lot's a guy's wallet. She gets out and sees the wallet. She hands it to me, and I'm looking through for information about whose wallet perhaps this is. I mean, when I look through this guy's wallet, he's got credit cards, he's got his security codes. I mean, if the wrong person would have found this wallet, the sky would have been a limit of what they could have done. So she goes into the store, and I take the wallet into the store, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should just try to go to this guy's house and give him the wallet. I've got a name. We have a name and address. Yeah, it's a little out of the way, but uh, we could go do this. So we decide we're going to drive to the guy's home. Now, if I've lost my wallet, I'm having a mental breakdown. I'm telling you right now. I'd be a basket case. We pull into the driveway. Here's the guy standing there, and we roll the window down. Hey, did you lose a wallet? We found a wallet. This is the address. This is the name. Oh, yeah, that's me. He walks over, takes the wallet, turns around, says, okay, thanks. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. We just handed this guy's life back to him. He doesn't even have a spirit of thankfulness. That's, uh, that's the attitude that permeates our world. And if people aren't thanking each other, you can be sure they're not thanking God. People whine and complain all over the world. It's too hot, too cold, too dry, too wet. world is filled with unthankful people, and God has every right to say, you know what, I'm fed up with humanity. We love our pets. We love our horses and our dogs and our cats, and every day we do chores for those animals. Every day we see to it they have food and water. We see to it that they have shelter and medicine when they need it. We go to great expense to give our pets a good life. Not one time is an animal able to say thank you because they can't, but they let you know they love you. They let you know they appreciate what you do. When it comes to God, humans don't. In fact, humans are worse than animals. Paul says not only do they not thank God, they don't even acknowledge him. So when God pours out his wrath, people will deserve every bit of it. The fourth reason why ungodly, unrighteous people deserve God's wrath is they become futile in their speculations about God. Verse 21 says, futile in their speculations and their foolish heart. Those are two interesting words here that are used. The actual Greek word, futile speculation, is one that means these people have empty, brain-dead thoughts, and then they put that into dialogue and try to communicate it. That's the best I can do with that word. It's an interesting word. 
These people have pointless, useless, worthless reasonings, and then they try to postulate those idiotic speculations to other people. And people will make up crazy things rather than embrace truth. I mean, what could be more moronic than to think a Big Bang explosion created the beauty of this world? What could be more moronic than that? We can test any type of explosion that we can scientifically test, and it doesn't produce beauty. You can take a firecracker, put it in a can, or blow up a bottle with it. I mean, you can go to a stick of dynamite, to nitroglycerin. I mean, you can look to atomic bombs. I mean, you can look to tomahawk missiles. You look at all of that stuff, and when those explosions go off, there's nobody who goes, wow, did that create beauty? And yet they want us to believe there was one major big bang explosion that created this beautiful heaven and earth. How stupid is that? What could be more moronic than to think that man evolved from some amoeba or tadpole? What could be more moronic than to think that when you die, you come back as an animal or a tree? Here's what Paul's saying. People invent this stuff. They invent this stuff, and then they become their own philosopher. And they go out and try to peddle this so people will buy it. On December 4th, 1995, I cut this out of Time magazine because they published an article in what they claimed was the new exciting theory of evolution, and it was called Evolution's Big Bang. And here's what it said. The earth was formed 4.6 billion years ago. The first evidence of life was green, blue algae 3.5 billion years ago. The first official cell was a nucleus 2 billion years ago. The first multi-celled algae was 1.7 billion years ago. Cambrian explosion caused an amoeba to form 543 million years ago. Amoeba became a tadpole who jumped in and out of the water for many years. And finally, through exposure to the sun, it progressed into an animal that could climb a tree and eventually became a man. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. People believe this. Because some philosopher, moron, who says stupid things and invents theories that can't even be proved. He invents this stuff, writes it down, and people look at that and go, man, that is scholarly. We've permitted these intellectual crazies to take God out of schools, prayer out of schools, Bible out of schools, which is the only truth book we really know we have, so that we can teach idiotic nonsense and insanity to children. So when God says, I'm going to pour out my wrath, on this world, boy, we deserve every bit of it. Nobody will be able to say we didn't deserve it because most of this world has spent their whole existence mocking God. The fifth reason why ungodly, unrighteous people deserve God's wrath is because they have knowledge of God, but they've darkened their foolish hearts against God. Verse 21 says, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now watch where the darkening takes place. It's in the heart. And the word that is used here 
And in verse 22 is a word that means they're just moronic. That is the word, moronic. These people take their stupidity and foolishness to another lower level. God has put knowledge of himself within their hearts. They replace it with darkness things and things that are worthless. You move away from God and his word and your heart will become dark. Your mind will become dark. You will head straight into the judgment of God and you'll go there believing that stuff. A heart can become so dark that it blocks out all light that God's ever shined into it. People proudly, arrogantly think they've arrived at some level of real mental sophistication. And in God's mind, they've arrived at the lowest level of stupidity. There's nothing that can be more foolish than the stupidity of atheism or agnosticism. Nothing can be more stupid than that. I mean, we know everything works by cause and effect. If you see an effect, something had to cause it. Here's a pulpit. This just didn't appear. Something had to cause this. Someone had to build it. Jim built it, if you want to know. But nothing can be more foolish than just to say, we don't know. We don't know if there's God. We don't think there's God. How foolish can you be? That's why the psalmist said, only a fool is said in his heart, there is no God. No human will ever get before God and say, we didn't know. We didn't know you were there. We never knew you really existed. God will say, I put that within your heart. Your problem is, you became dark in your heart. And in your foolishness, you drifted away from the truth. The sixth reason why God says he's just in pouring out his wrath is because they have knowledge of God and they become fools. And he actually uses the word here, morphon, moros, moron. It's the word moron. Verse 22 is so accurate. People who are fools, when it comes to God, pretend to be so wise and so smart. I mean, these people that want to come up with these ludicrous theories that don't even make rational sense, they come up with this stuff, and then they walk around like they're so wise and scholarly in what they're postulating. They profess something they aren't. Knowledge of God's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So somebody who's walking around trying to dismiss God from what he's already programmed into them is just a moron. And the present tense of the participle professing means these people continually, habitually pretend they're really smart scholars. I mean, they try to convince people they know what they're talking about. You'll find a lot of them in colleges and universities. You'll find many of these ignoramus fools and simpletons teaching in high schools. You'll find them in religious schools. You'll find them even in churches. These are proud, arrogant people who think they're smarter than the word of God. People pretend to be so scholarly in their thinking and they're foolish lunatics. The seventh reason why God will pour out his wrath and people deserve it is they've changed the glory of God. Look at what's happened. They've exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. God is to be honored and worshiped his way, not our way. He will not share his glory with another. He'll not share it with anyone or anything. He's God. There's none like him. 
He's holy. He's blessed. He's glorious. He's to be worshipped and honored as God. Now, we've changed, we haven't here at this church, but many have changed how they're going to honor God, how they think they're going to honor God, because there are a lot of people believe that they honor God by putting a rock band on the platform. Let me tell you where that came from. It came from the 60s, and it came from the 70s, and it came from the drug hippie culture, by the way. Jesus music, they called it. That's where all this started. And so what churches decided to do is, uh, you know what? We haven't been worshiping God right with this serious hymn-singing, Bible-study way, so we're going to invent our own way of worship. It doesn't really elevate God that much, but it does bring in the people. Because the kids have something to listen to, so we'll put a drum set and we'll put rock bands on the platform. I'm telling you, that is not worship. That's not elevating worship. It's lowering it. A number of years ago, we were in Savannah, Georgia. We were at Tybee Island, my sister and brother-in-law's condo, and we walked into a Walmart. And as we walk into the Walmart, there's a guy who's just cursing the Lord. So I decided I'm going to have a little discussion with this guy. So when he got done with his diatribe and he's cursing the Lord, Mary's off getting stuff and I'm listening to this guy. I walked up to him and I said, hey, uh, you mentioned a guy who's a friend of mine. I know him personally. Oh yeah, who's that? I said, Jesus Christ. Did you ever think about what he did for you? Man, that set him back. But here's the unbelievable thing. This guy says, you know... I know I probably need to go to church, but it just doesn't seem right to me to go into a church and look up there and see a rock band on the platform. I just don't think that's church. This is coming from a Godmocker. A Godmocker. Who recognizes that is something that is lessening what worship is supposed to be. This is a guy who's cursing the Lord who realizes it's not right to go into a church and see that. And that's what people are doing. We're just bringing God down to any level we can. We're changing the glory of God into the glory we want it to be. Hindus and Muslims worship cows and bring them offerings. Many worship Buddha made by the hands of men. In India, they worship a cobra snake. Salt Lake City Mormons worship the teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Indians worship a totem pole. We're supposedly the most sophisticated, civilized, educated generation who's ever lived. We are one spiritual mental disorder that is spiritually insane, and frankly, this world is behaving and believing like a bunch of morons. Because you give finite sinful man the freedom of religion and don't have that religion based on the scriptures and you'll end up with religious insanity. If we don't base what we believe about God on the Bible, we're a fool. And we deserve God's wrath. 
Now, I'll be as clear as I can be on this point, because this is where this book of Romans is heading. We're all sinners here, and we all need the righteousness of God in order to have a relationship with God. Our problem is we don't have that righteousness. We've all sinned. There's only one way to get this righteousness. It's through Jesus Christ. We need to have Jesus Christ in our life. We need to have Jesus Christ in our heart. If you've never invited him to come into your life, do it today. Don't let your proud, foolish, rebellious, intellectual mind keep you from inviting Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Because if you do let your mind prevent you from inviting Christ to be your Savior, you're heading to the wrath of God. And when you get into that wrath, you'll deserve every bit of it. Let's pray. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, why not settle it right now, right where you sit? Just admit the truth. We're all sinners. Invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life right now and save you from your sins. Our Father, what an amazing passage of Scripture. First of all, we want to thank you for it, and we want to thank you that you've worked in our minds and hearts and brought us to an understanding of our need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at a text like this, and certainly as we continue on next week, Lord, we see that there does come a point where you just give people up, and you didn't do that with us. We don't know why. We sure didn't deserve it, but we thank you for it. We pray that we will be people who will base our faith upon your precious words so that we do honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.